got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! Welcome to episode one of the NCAA Tournament Bracket Preview. We're going to preview the West and East regions first tonight. And tomorrow is going to be the South and, of course, everyone's favorite direction, Midwest. So we'll, we'll get started tonight from the West. We'll work top down. We'll discuss each game, a potential bet that we like for that game, as well as obviously picking the winner. Then we'll move forward really just high level discussing where we think the rest of the teams will land from the round of 32 to sweet 16 to elite eight and eventually picking our region winner. We'll do the same for the East bracket as well. We will also be picking play in games and doing the same for the play in games in terms of picking one bet potentially. Uh, And of course we'll, as always, we'll tell you if it's worth the watch and provide times for each of these games. Ben, let's get it kicked off tonight with the first play-in game that we'll be covering. Uh, Alabama is the sixth seed, and they will be playing the winner of this play-in game, Rutgers and Notre Dame. Initial thoughts for this game. My initial thought is Notre Dame should not be in this tournament, and uh, Rutgers is going to kick them out very swiftly. I just think that Rutgers has a little too much shot making, a little too much offense for Notre Dame to really keep up with. They're not used to this physical brand of basketball. I think that Rutgers is going to bring from the Big Ten. And uh, they probably have – Rutgers probably has the two best players in this game. You can say what you want about Blake Wesley, but uh, I think Rutgers has been playing better as of late, and I think they'll continue to keep it going. Ron Harper showed in last season's tournament he's ready to play in the tournament. He's a big game player, and uh, I think that continues. Yeah, and this game's essentially a pick 'em. Notre Dame is favored by one point, and the money line for Rutgers is minus 102. If I were to make a play in this game, I would say Rutgers money line or Rutgers money line parlayed with the under, because if Rutgers win this game, it's going to be a complete muck fest, and that's really going to be the MO for them to win it. This game's going to be taking place late. It's going to be a 9 10 Eastern time start on Wednesday. Yeah, um, I, I don't like how they gave <laughs> both of the uh, the 11-12, the 11 and the 12 playing games are the late games, which is kind of ridiculous. You know, this Indiana-Wyoming game tomorrow night, they play at 8-10 local time in Dayton and then have to play in less than 48 hours in Portland. I mean, that's just – that doesn't seem fair to me, but – uh. I guess that's how the bracket goes, and that's how these playing games go. But that's a hell of a trip to make on one day rest to play again. So, uh, but yeah, Notre Dame and Rutgers have a similar situation. However, I think their opponent is is a lot more favorable. This Alabama team, other than uh, Indiana and Wyoming, running into the St. Mary's buzzsaw. Yeah, I. I could see Rutgers pulling off the subset against Bama. It's tough to look at it without a line. However, 
I'm going to go ahead and pick Bama in this game just because I do think Bama is going to get hot, oddly enough, during the tournament. To me, they're going to have at least one game where they get hot. It's going to be the first game, and then they'll get boat raced by Texas Tech in the next round. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going back and forth on this as Alabama has gone back and forth on their basketball all season. It's really hard to predict which Alabama team shows up. Do Quinterly and Shackelford shoot the under 30% from three they've been shooting the entire season? Do they pick it up like they did, like Quinterly did in the LSU game? It's really hard to figure out. What we do know is Alabama does not play much defense, specifically on the perimeter. So if if the Rucker guards and if Ron Harper Jr. can get it going, I just it just I think it really comes down to what kind of game this Rutgers Notre Dame game is. Is it a war? Does it take the legs out of the winner? And if so, maybe Alabama can run them up and down the court. And that does have a lot to do with me picking Alabama. Would be the the toll that that playing game is going to take on both of these teams. Whoever wins. Um, we, 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 did, we did get a little out of whack there, though, Ben. Uh, we went kind of in the middle of the bracket first. So let's let's jump back up to the top and start with the one sixteen matchup here. We have Gonzaga taking on Georgia State, who should not be a 16 seed. Um, to me, to me, they, the committee got this dead wrong. Oddly enough, the team I would put at the 16 seed, Cal State Fullerton's playing Duke, which is pretty fitting for um, how much – the committee has favored Duke that they're that they're playing a worse team as a 15 seed than Gonzaga, so it'll play at a 16 seed. Yeah, Gonzaga's favored by 23 and a half. I mean, I kind of like Georgia State plus the 23 and a half. Uh, I'm like you. I think they're undervalued as a 16. I thought that they could have been a 15. I mean, I think that they're probably a better team than Delaware or St. Peter's. I mean, if you ask me, I know the Sun Belt's been down this season. They played really, really well in the tournament. They would beat some quality teams like Appalachian State and ULL. Um, I think they cover the 23 and a half. They've been able to score all season, especially lately. They scored 80 and 72 in their last two games. I mean, I, I don't, and they're not porous enough on defense for Gonzaga's run, run up 100. So they really have to get to. 60 65 points i think to cover this game and i think they can get there yeah i agree um right now right now georgia state's 23 and a hook i would i'd be looking to to jump on that with, with georgia state at 23 and a hook my only th- concern of georgia state is going to be their lack of scoring they they don't really score i do think they play enough defense to not get boat raced um this is going to be a sweater though if you take this 23 and a half don't expect to like be winning comfortably because it's going to be a backdoor cover if you're going to win this game. And this this is a Thursday game at 2.15 Mountain Time. Moving oh, to the – go ahead. I will, I will say whenever Georgia State played some bigger teams earlier in the year, the scoring of, did get a little out of control. Richmond broke 90 on them. Rhode Island broke 90 on them. So maybe it's something like that, although they did get the 78 on Richmond. So – I think it's really up to Gonzaga, as most of these 116 and 215 games are. How do they want this game to go? You know, do, do they want to really get in their rhythm on offense and get it free flowing, or do they want to crack down early, get the game over by the second half, and rest their guys? Yeah, I, I'd say I'd say if I were to take a side in this game, it would be Georgia State. However, my play of the game would probably be the under 149. I will probably stay out of this game. I don't. I don't really like any anything in the one sixteen matchup. I don't like betting those games. Moving to the eight nine matchup, and arguably, in my opinion, one of the best one of the best eight nine matchups in the whole tournament. We have Memphis against Boise State. Memphis is favored by two and a half points with a minus one forty two money line. Boise State's plus one eighteen on the money line and an over under of one thirty three. Initial thoughts right off the gate in this game. Um, you definitely know this Memphis team pretty well you've been on them all year long yeah this is gonna be one of the first games to tip off of the tournament this is the third game uh 12 45 central tip it's being played in portland i don't think i don't know maybe maybe that plays into it maybe boise state fans travel to this game a little bit but i don't think they're gonna come in droves or anything so i don't think that's having anything to do with it you're, you're gonna love the big man matchup in this game with admus and with jalen duran I think that's really going to set the tone for this game. Which which one of these guys can really 
overwhelm the other one with their physicality. I'll tell you, Memphis has not seen a D- team play defense like this all season. I I, I can't. Oh, what about Houston? I Boise State plays better defense than Houston in my eyes. Uh, they have more defenders. They really pack it inside. That's that's the thing. I I don't know how well Memphis is going to shoot in this game, and they have to shoot well from the outside to pull that Boise State defense out to allow them to get in the Jalen Duran because Boise State were really packing in and they've we've seen that this year in games against Wyoming you know they have just packed it inside and really made them make shots and that's why they beat them twice and so uh, I, I like Boise State in this game it's I think it's going to turn into a grind fest I think it's gonna be low scoring like almost every single Boise State game is I think they will dictate the pace of play, even though Memphis, they're not the fastest team in the world. I, I, don't, I don't think they want to play at this snail's pace that Boise State's going to play at. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably going to stay away from this game. If I were to take a side, I'd take Memphis. But the reason I'm going to stay away from it for now is I don't know Jalen Duran's health. I've heard some different things that Jalen Duran, um, you know, his rest is messed up right now. He's going to have four days of rest for the time he's played in the American Athletic Conference uh, Championship game. Jesus, I can't speak. But he's going to have four days of rest. However, I don't I don't know if that's enough. Wrists are very delicate for basketball players. I, I don't like it. I'm probably going to stay away. This would be another game where maybe looking at the under is probably going to be the best play because Boise's going to muck it up. Yeah, and- I can't believe it's as high as 133. I, usually Boise games are in the 120s. Yeah. I will say, I if I was Boise, I'd be a little bit concerned with the offensive boards, uh, giving up the offensive boards. To me, that's going to be how Memphis kind of imposes their will. Uh, you said it's you said Boise hasn't you said Memphis hasn't seen a team like Boise who's played defense all year. Uh, well, I disagree with Houston. I could probably say the same thing about Boise in terms of the pure athleticism, with maybe the exception of San Diego State. Uh, so the athleticism and length is going to be. Uh, a measurable that Boise State hasn't seen all year. And the same could be said for the way Boise State defends the basketball. This is going to be a great game, though, and you should definitely try to watch it. I know it's early, 11.45 Mountain Time, um, but it's it's really going to be a great game. I think, again, though, Memphis is going to have to make shots to pull them out to take advantage of their athleticism because Boise State is strong enough on the inside where they will just pack it in and defend the rim. So if you can pull some of these guys out, Use your athleticism, get some dribble dives going around them. Then I could see it going Memphis's way. And you're right, Jalen Duran has to be healthy in this game, or Boise State's just going to dominate the boards. On to one of my favorite five twelve matchups in this whole tournament. I I, I think I think the five twelve matchups in this tournament are really good, and and the twelve seeds are very dangerous this year, just like every year almost. But this matchup's going to be a lot of fun. We have UConn taking on the New Mexico State. Now, right right away, you look at it, UConn's only a seven-point favorites. They're minus 300 on the money line, and the over-unders at 131. This is a game I'd be looking to potentially move into some parlays. I do, I do believe UConn's going to win. Um, in terms of the spread, I would, I would be looking more at the New Mexico State plus seven than I'd be looking at taking UConn minus seven. We discussed this game a little bit yesterday on the show. New Mexico State's led by former West Virginia player, Teddy Allen. Teddy Allen's a great player. He's he's kind of like a guard forward hybrid. He the, the whole offense essentially runs the rim at this point. And, and that's really New Mexico State's MO. The problem is UConn can throw so many different defenders at Teddy Allen, and they also have the size inside to match whoever New Mexico State is going to throw down there. I, I, I like the Huskies in this game. I don't I think it will be a close game, but to me, the Huskies win, and I'm gonna be throwing in, I'm gonna be throwing in UConn and uh, some money line parlays Thursday. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. Like you said, for New Mexico State to win a game this tournament, Teddy Allen's gonna get really going. UConn just has too much length to throw at him. I mean, they have probably four guys that they can throw at him. They can throw Tyrese Martin, Isaiah Whaley, Tyler Polly, and uh, Jackson all at him. And they're all incredible defenders. Dan Hurley really coaches these guys up. I think he'll have a very, very good game plan to neutralize them. And, you know, they're going to have to have somebody else step up. I mean, they're going to have to have a guy like 
Shabari Rice. Shabari Rice. He's the second leading sort of only 12 points a game, and then they don't have a guy averaging more than eight. So, you know, someone's going to have to step up and have an abnormal performance. Someone's going to have to have 15 points that averages less than 10 for them to really get in it. Other guys are going to have to make shots to free up Allen because I do believe if he tries to get guys on the post, they'll send doubles because they're not scared of any of the other guys offensively. Yeah, and while New Mexico State can certainly score on on uh, UConn, they're not really that great of a defensive team. So I, I'd, I'd also be worried about them even remotely stopping this UConn offense. I could see UConn getting out on the break early and often and this getting ugly. Yeah. Yeah, to to me, that's where that's where New Mexico State really struggles is in transition, and I I think you know a few a few times where New Mexico State looks to crash boards, suddenly you look up, it's like eighteen six to start the game, and the game's kind of gotten away from the Lobos. Are, are they the Aggies? They're the Aggies. They're the Aggies. Okay, sorry, my apologies, New Mexico. Uh, you're the Lobos. On to this four thirteen matchup that a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to pick this Vermont team, which makes sense. They're only five point underdogs, plus one seventy two on the money line. Arkansas is coming in at minus two ten on the money line, and with the over under of one thirty nine and a hook. This Vermont Catamount teams is very popular. I, I know you're a huge Catamount fan. You're not rocking the Catamount shirt tonight, but you have been rocking the Catamount shirt all week. To me, this is a case where Vermont's going to be a victim of their own success and the American East did not prepare them for this. I know that's kind of um, classic ESPN, Fox Sports, just like, oh, this, the small school is not going to be able to match up the, the big school. But the reason's more related to the matchups and, and the matchup inside of Ryan Davis. Ryan Davis has not seen anyone like Jalen Williams all year long. I can, you know, Ben and I can sit, sit up here and talk all the smack on Jalen Williams. We want for him taking flops and charges which he does but he is a very good defender at the end of the day i would i'd be parlaying uconn and arkansas to the bank i don't think there's gonna be any upsets here in the 12 or the 13 matchup yeah a lot of people have been picking vermont and as much as i love them it's just a bad matchup and i think if they played any of the other four seeds i would like them a lot better against an illinois providence or ucla i agree I think Musselman has a lot to do with it too. He he's just a really good coach, and you're giving him a week to prepare for this game. He's gonna have a good plan against this Vermont team. I will say Vermont all year has thrived on everyone stepping up, though. So, you know, they have probably five, six guys who can shoot the ball and get hot in the game. So that's really gonna, you know, that's really gonna help if they're focusing on Shingu or Ryan Davis. I think Ryan Davis might actually, if they don't, you know, if they don't sit back, if they do sit back on him, like Jalen Williams usually does, he sits back on ball screens and he likes to hog the lane. I think Ryan Davis with his shooting ability can kind of take advantage of that. So maybe they get some pick and pops going with Finn Sullivan and Shingu with Ryan Davis. I do see a path to Vermont for Vermont winning this game, but I just think Musselman's going to have a really good game drawn up. I'm not sure Shingu can stay with J.D. Note all game. Uh, it's going to be really hard for him. And, you know, we were talking about Jalen Williams on the defensive side against Ryan Davis. Jalen Williams on the offensive side is really, really quick for a big man. And, and Ryan Davis is not that quick on defense. So it's it's going to be a hard matchup for him on defense. And uh, I just think Arkansas's athleticism prevails in this game. Probably, probably a safe assumption. Moving down to the th- 314 and 6-11 pod, we already discussed the 6-11 matchup a little bit, but this Montana State-Texas Tech game, we have Texas Tech is favored by 15 points, and they are minus 1,800 on the money line, and over-under is set at 132.5. As of now, this is going to be a 11:45 mountain time game on Friday. Initial thoughts in this game is... 15 might be a little too many points. However, I, I don't know enough about this Montana State team to really take one that 15. So I'm probably going to stay away in this game and definitely just pick Texas Tech in my bracket to move on. I don't think it's enough points. I mean, and Texas Tech has held teams like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Iowa State all year to under 50 points. And, uh, 
you know, we were talking about earlier, does Gonzaga or some of these one seeds come out and look to run or look to crack down and really get the game over with? We know what Texas Tech is going to do. They're going to come down intense on defense, at least for the first half, really crack down. I'd be surprised if they get past 25 points in the first half. And uh, I, I think this game gets ugly. I don't think 15 is enough points to contain Texas Tech. The, the way they're built, they are not built for an upset in my mind. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. This this is a team who is, like you said, not built for an upset. I don't like any of the full game lines. I will say I'd be waiting to see the first half lines in this game because I don't want to take a look at Texas Tech first half spread. And I'd also be wanting to look at team total overs and I'd be hammering that Montana State team total over. I'm, I'm sorry, team total under, team total under. Nah, uh, whatever the team total under is, probably I'd be taking that. Moving on now to everyone's favorite team in the country, you know, the boys from North Carolina. Obviously, I'm talking about the Davidson Wildcats. We have the Davidson Wildcats as the 10 seed coming in against Michigan State, the seven seed. This game is going to be on at 740 Mountain Time. Definitely a marquee matchup. We 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 listed it as a marquee matchup yesterday when we we're discussing the tournament as a whole. Michigan State's only a one point favorite. They're minus one eighteen on the on the money line, and we have an over under of minus of a one forty and a half, and that's obviously minus one ten. My initial thoughts: I'll, I'm going to take this one first. I love this Davidson team, so I'm going to go ahead and take them on the money line, probably at minus one hundred two. I'll definitely take them to win them in my bracket. And I'll probably take them in my pool, which stay tuned to the end so Ben and I can explain the pool to you all tonight. I, I just love this Davidson team. I know they struggled in in you know the conference championship game against Richmond, but I really do like it. The Foster Lawyer Revenge game, it's going to happen. Also, did you know there's like three other – I think there's like two other people, three in total, who are also playing their former team that they transferred from? It, it makes sense with the amount of transfers that went on this offseason. Yeah, but uh, off the record, we'll talk. I, I think I think the committee's handpicking these matchups a lot more than we like to think. That's well, all I'm going to say. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, we kind of talked bad about Michigan State this year. I thought they played actually really, really well in the, in the Big Ten tournament. They beat Wisconsin, and then they took Purdue all the way to the end. I mean, where we talk about Tom Izzo, his teams always play better in March than they do throughout the whole season. Gabe Brown really played really well in the uh, game against Purdue. He had 16 points. You just got to have Brown or Christie or Walker step up and give you points because you're going to have to get to 70 points in this game to to beat Davidson. I know they're a great defensive team, but Davidson's going to find open shots. They run really good offense and they have good shooters. They're not the best defensive team, I would say. And so Michigan State probably does have some size, specifically at the guard positions. Uh, as much as we love Hung Jung Lee, he's not the best defender in the world of staying in front of guys. So um, I think that they do have advantages on the offensive end. Does Michigan State with Christian Walker off the bounce? Is it going to be enough? I, I don't think so. I, I just like the... The offense that Davidson runs, I feel like they're going to get enough open shots, and I feel like they're going to make enough of them to get them. But this should be a really, really close game of contrasting styles. It would be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I'm going to give advice to the, to the listeners, and really this is just advice to myself right now, Ben. This might be a game where if you're going to bet it, go ahead, put, put a unit on it before the game, but I would be live betting this game. This is going to be a game where I'm going to wait first four, eight minutes, See how the flow is. See what the matchups are looking like, and then then take a stab at it. Yeah, well, this game is Friday, seven forty, seven forty, seven forty your time. So prime yeah. time. Yeah, it's 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 On it's CBS. Yeah, so, so they know it's gonna time. be a good game. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a huge game. Well, our last game, uh, it's, it's um, it's Duke. So. This Cal State Florida team team is just not very good. Duke's going to crush them. Uh, Duke is currently favored by 18 and a hook. They're minus 4,000 on the money line, so please don't touch that for your own safety. 
I would be taking, I'd be laying the points minus 18 and a half. It's not enough. The Stuke team's going to run them at the gym. I think they probably win by 25 plus over under 146 and a half. I'm going to stay away from that. I'd also be looking at Duke first half spread as well. This is going to be an easy rule. This is going to be an easy game for the, for the Blue Devils. The, the tournament will start in the next round for sure. I agree. Um, you look at some of Fullerton's offensive outputs at the end of the season, 58 points versus Hawaii, 72 versus UC Davis, 66 versus UC Irvine, 67 versus Santa Barbara, 55 again versus Hawaii. Those just numbers are not going to get it done in this game. I mean, if a team's going to upset Duke, they're going to have to score 80 points probably. They're going to have to game, have a game like Notre Dame does. When you don't have enough talent, you have to make shots. I will say Duke will give you enough open shots most times more times than not, but I just don't think Fullerton is the type of team to take advantage of those. And uh, I agree with you. I'd like the points with Duke. Completely agree. So our second round matchups are going to look pretty much like Gonzaga against whoever, UConn, Arkansas, most likely Bama, Texas Tech. And I, I say Davidson, I think you're you're leaning more Michigan State against Duke. Um, but But when you just look at it from the second round on, who would you like? Who would you? Where would your? Where would you put your money for the value on this? And uh, I'm going to pull up the the region winners right now. The longer I look at it, I'm just not sure that Gonzaga can play three great games and get to the final four. They are going to have to play three very very quality teams, three very good defensive teams, three well coached teams, and they're going to have to play some of their best basketball to beat all three of them. I mean, we're looking at Boise State maybe in this. I think Boise State poses a lot more problems for them than Memphis does. I don't I don't love that matchup for Gonzaga. And then I don't love if UConn moves on, don't love that matchup a little bit more. I think Arkansas will play more Arkansas- free flowing with them. I, I think that they'll play a more offensive game, shoot more threes with them. And I think you. I I don't think Gonzaga likes to be slowed down. Do you? No, Gonzaga does not like to be slowed down. And so and that's I would why say, I, I I agree with you there. That's where Arkansas would would worry me. However, I I think Arkansas's guards would harass Gonzaga's guards. I I, I don't. You don't that's, like Nepard? I like Nimhard, but I like I like. To me, they'd, they'd put Tony on Nimhard and it'll just kind of be over from there. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think Nebhard has shown he can hold his own. I mean, by God, he's been playing basketball for six years. Yeah, you'd hope first, so. <laughs> first in the SEC, and now Gonzaga playing really elite teams over these last couple of years. I, I really think UConn and Texas Tech, those type of teams are harder matchups for Gonzaga. I just and I don't see Gonzaga getting through three games like that. Yeah. It's just I, off. They have this, we talked about this yesterday, but they have the toughest road, and they can't not show up in any of these three games. Yeah, I'd say Texas Tech's going to be the team that makes it out of this region. Plus five fifty, Texas Tech region winner. That would be a bet I'm going to look at. That's a half unit bet for sure. Maybe even a full unit. Another team I would be looking at is UConn at plus 1,900. That, like that is. Too. I think they have just as much of, I mean, a UConn-Texas Tech game would be incredible. I think they have just as much as chances. I mean, I think UConn-Texas Tech, Arkansas, and Duke should all be in the same group. To me, I think they should all have about the same odds. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be placing – a lot of wagers on Duke, Texas Tech, Arkansas, and Connecticut to win. Because I, I, I agree with you. I don't see how Gonzaga really gets out of this bracket. A lot of people are just chalking it up that, oh, they'll definitely get out. They're going to have to face a murderer's row to get out of this. Yeah. And are they the best team in the country? Probably. Or the second or third? Yes. And they have premier talent. And if they play the kind of offense they can play for three games, they're going to win the games but they're going to have to be near perfect in, in all three of them, especially when you're talking about against the Texas Tech team who's really going to limit the possessions in that game. They're going to have to make shots from the outside. Texas Tech will not let them drive the rim. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. All right. Well, before we move on, 
Do you have any region winners value-wise for the people? I agree with you. I, I like Texas Tech, and, and I think that um, I think that UConn's undervalued as well. Yeah, UConn's at plus 1,900. Arkansas's at plus 1,400. Duke's at plus 460. Texas Tech's at plus 550. Then you have Gonzaga at minus 140, which to me is a little insane. I, I think they should be even odds at most. Also, you can get Texas Tech to make the Sweet 16 at minus 170, and there's no chance in hell I think they don't make the Sweet 16. I don't see Alabama, Rutgers, or Notre Dame proving a problem to them whatsoever. Yeah, I haven't even seen the Sweet 16 odds. Where, where are you seeing yeah, that? Yeah, so um, it's under West Region. So Gonzaga is minus 650, of course. Duke is minus 250 and make the Sweet 16. Texas Tech is minus 170. Arkansas is plus 110 and UConn's plus 130. So, you know, that makes sense. They're going to have to go against each other. It's going to be a war. Um, you know, Alabama's plus 250. Michigan State's plus right. 410 and so on and so on. But I, I like well, Texas obviously- Tech minus 170 to win two games. I, I don't think Alabama, Rutgers, and Notre Dame can beat them. Obviously, uh, no free ads or anything. But uh, what sports book is that? This is FanDuel. Really, I don't even see it on my FanDuel. I wonder if that's it's probably something with me, my my uh, location not being verified right now. Oh well. Anyway, on to the East region where the odds are definitely more favorable for the East region winner. But before we get started on the East region winner, let's discuss this play-in game here. We have a really good one: Wyoming against Indiana University. I got IU winning this, and it really boils down to the stubbornness of the Wyoming head coach. He's going to insist on going out of Graham EK and playing the offense through him in the inside. And I think that's going to be a horrible matchup against Indiana. So I, I like Indiana to win this game. I agree with you. And even if he does go through Moldonado, I just think so, I don't like it. Indiana's I, I too think good. Indiana has too many post defenders. When you talk about Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, I think they'll probably put Race Thompson on, uh, on Moldonado when he gets in the post. He's not going to let him. He's just not going to let him bully him all the way down the rim like Maldonado has been doing to some guards in the Mountain West. Now, if he gets good switches, possibly, but I just don't see. I think the only way Wyoming wins this game is Jeffries just gets going, and we've seen that. We've seen that this year. We, we've seen him get going, hit him hit five, six, seven threes in a game, and uh, I really think that's the only way out of this. Indiana's not going to let them kill them in the post. Yeah, and, and oddly enough, Wyoming. No, never mind. I read that wrong. Dyslexic moment. Never mind. Uh, Indiana's four, four and a half point, four point favorites right now. Uh, minus one eighty eight money line and one thirty three is the over under. This game's going to take place tomorrow night at seven ten Mountain Time, nine ten Eastern Time. Uh, that that's the late game, but it's going to be worth staying up and watching. Um, some feedback I got Ben was that we go over players a little bit too quickly. We, we, we just gloss over players and just blur them out because a lot of people don't know them. So I guess high-level um, players to watch for Wyoming are going to be number 24, Hunter Maldonado. He's the point guard. Very good player. He's exceptional at posting up with his back to the basket and and you know facilitating the offense out of that. Graham Ike is their big guy, number 33. He's been a little up and down this year. He started off really strong, however – the last half of the season, he's not really been as great. Wyoming's insisted on playing out of the offense with him, basically, and it's not really his strength. He's not been able to make those passes. And number zero is Jeffries, and this kid can flat-out shoot. He's, shoot he's a anywhere. sniper. He, he's, he's got one of the prettiest forms in all of college basketball. So. And one of the quickest triggers. He can sit out of his hands so fast. Oh, my God. he's He'll be falling over, and he's still getting out. Uh, so that's the Wyoming scouting report. Ben, why don't you take the Indiana scouting report? I mean, I think most people know about Trey Jackson Davis. Um, for now, I mean, he, he's one of the best big men in America. He had a breakout freshman year last year. Only increased his numbers this year. He's looking at 18-8 and eight this year. I think he's really increased his playmaking. He, he's really understood what to do when they bring doubles. And the biggest thing that's helped this team is development of Race Thompson to go with him down low. He's almost up to 12-8 and eight this season. A huge, huge upgrade of, of what he did last year. You know, this is his fourth year in the program. Didn't really get to play much the first two seasons, but the last two, um, they'll they'll probably show because every in the game game they show this, but they'll probably show his physical transformation of his freshman year to now. He's absolutely jacked now, and he was the skinniest kid you've ever seen in the world in his freshman year. 
But um, yeah, and then the other guy we're looking at is Xavier Johnson, the point guard who really played his best basketball in the Big Ten tournament, really showed up for them, provided them some shooting and some uh, plays off the bounce. So he's coming in hot. And uh, those are probably your three best players for Indiana for sure. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis is a 6'9 center, number 23. Uh, he can really score w- w- with his back to the basket, facing the basket. He's had four 30-point-plus games this year, so he's definitely a player to watch for this Indiana team. But l- let's move on to the top up. We got Baylor gets Norfolk State. Respectfully to the Spartans from the MEAC, um, this is this is going to be a bloodbath. Uh, Baylor, Baylor does not play around with these teams at all. Like, they... They really don't show any sympathy for us. It's it border it borders on bullying at times. What Baylor does to teams like this, so I would lay the twenty one and a half points. Don't think that's enough for them. I, I see Baylor winning this game by 30, 40 points. What about you? Also, this so- is a twelve p.m. Mountain Time game Thursday. I'm not so sure it's gonna be thirty, forty points, but I think they do handle it pretty well. I will say this is probably my favorite matchup for the 16 no you know you know the one they're not gonna win but you know the one yeah but can't arizona's way too good on offense just because baylor can go stale at sometimes norfolk is gonna play the game really slow uh they're really well coached they're really technically sound I, i just hate the other matchups i mean kansas is playing the texas southern texas uh Corpus Christi winner. Yeah, and then Arizona's getting probably Bryant. Bryant's going to try to run, and Arizona. So is Wright State. (laughs) Wright State's going to try to run, and that's not going to go well for them. So I think Norfolk (laughs) probably keeps it the closest out of the 16s. How close is it going to be? I'm not so sure. I don't think it's going to be 40 points. I I don't think Baylor gets like 90 points in this game or anything. I I don't think it'll be that bad. I probably 20, 25 points. I think I think Norfolk probably hangs in there for the first two media timeouts and, and then it gets ugly. But uh this is my favorite 16, I think. I think you can bet uh first 15 in March Madness. I've heard that. So this might be a game where you where maybe you look at the first 15. Also, it's a it's a morning game or you know, yeah. afternoon. Yeah, yeah. 12 o'clock Early game. 12, yeah. You know, it usually doesn't get that bad in the in the afternoon games, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. Anyways, onto the eight nine matchup. We have the UNC Tar Heels against the Marquette. Uh, drawing a blank on their name. Jesus, it's the Eagles, is it? Golden Eagles. Yeah, it is the Eagles. Okay, I don't know why I just had a brain fart like that. But the Tar Heels are three point favorites, minus one fifty two on the money line to Marquette's plus one twenty six. Over under is a whopping one fifty three. Initial thoughts here. I mean, over under makes sense. North Carolina probably going to score a lot in this game. They're going to let Marquette score a lot. Um, I, I just trust UNC's shooting and their guards more to, to outpace Marquette. I will say, I'm not sure. Well, I guess, I guess um, UNC is going to throw Leaky Black on Justin Lewis, who's honestly probably been one of the best players in that conference all year. Really, as a true freshman, it's been really incredible for them, uh, for Shaka Smart. You know, I think Shaq Smart's probably the more seasoned. I mean, he definitely is the more seasoned coach. He's been in these type of games. You know, the first time for Hubert Davis. I think there's something to that, but I, I don't know. I think UNC gets it rolling offensively in this game, and uh, I like them to win this game. They they've been playing really well lately. Yeah, and that's that's really what it boils down to me for this UNC team is is how well they've been playing heading into this game. Um, I, I, I like UNC to win. They're finally starting to sh- embrace the three-point shot, shooting really well from three this year at 36%. They're 27th in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. They're, they're a really good team. And um, Leaky Black is number one. He's a 6'8 wing uh, senior. He's an unreal defender, probably one of the better defenders in the country. He will do absolutely nothing on offense. So you don't uh, yeah, have to pay attention to him on that side of the floor. Yeah, do, do not worry about him offensively. Uh, at most, he'll get some tip-ins. But, but it doesn't matter. The, main, the other four guys can all score, so, yeah. so it doesn't really matter for them. Yeah, they, they have Armando, ba- Armando Baycott, who's a 6'10 bulldog down low. 
Caleb loved, who's a, you know, pretty much the opposite of <laughs> pretty much the opposite of leaky black, all offense and absolutely no defense. Not like a Kobe white type player. Yeah. Very, very Kobe white ask. Uh, he's a, he's allergic to defense. Then you have Brady Manick, the transfer from Oklahoma. He's a three point assassin shooting 38% from the lot this year on 197 attempts. And you also have the other guard, RJ Davis, who, Likewise, with his counterpart, Caleb Love, does not like to play defense. But I agree. I got UNC rolling in this game. Yeah, I think Brady Manick's probably going to be the X factor in this game. I think he's going to get the opportunity to hit some open three-pointers. He, he had a bad game in the, in the last game against Virginia Tech, but the three games before that, he went 11-23 to 23 from three-point land. He had 20-plus points and seven-plus rebounds in each of those games against quality competition in Duke, Virginia, and Syracuse. So... They won six out of the last seven games. The offense is really rolling, and um, I think it'll roll them through this game. Moving on to our 5-12 matchup, Ben and I both believe it's going to be Indiana facing the Gales from St. Mary's. It's hard to judge this game without a spread on it. However, this might be worth a 12-5 matchup upset if you're looking at Indiana. I still think the Gales roll in it, and eventually the Gales do pull away from it. So I would take the Gales in my in my bracket. But if you are going to do a twelve five matchup, Indiana would would definitely be a good consideration. Yeah, and whenever you're talking about St. Mary's, you're always talking about Tommy Cousy, number twelve. He's got a very bald head, so you won't be able to miss him. Senior out of Arizona, been playing really great basketball this season. He's one of those players where he, does, he kind of plays Xavier Pinson a little bit, doesn't play at a great pace, but he plays at his pace, and he makes the guy he's guarding uncomfortable. You know, he's got a little herky-jerky motions in the lane. He finds his shot. He finds his shot in the lane in the mid-range all the way to the rim. He's really crafty with the basketball. Uh, I like St. Mary's in this game. I think Matthias Tass is going to be able to match up with Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. I think he's going to do enough inside. He's an extremely good pick-and-roll partner for Tommy Cousy. And the guy that's really stepped up for them throughout the end of the season has been Logan Johnson. I was very impressed by Logan Johnson in the semifinal and the finals of their conference tournament. He had 14.7 rebounds and two assists against Santa Clara, and he had 21 points, three rebounds, three assists in the game against Gonzaga. His his on-ball defense is exceptional. But uh, his offense has picked it up towards the end of the season, especially in those last two games. And uh, I think uh, St. Mary's just kind of a little too much in the backcourt for Indiana. Completely agree. You want to move on to a game that I, I think if you're going to pick a 14, uh, I'm sorry, a 13 over four, besides South Dakota State, I'd be looking at this game. We have the UCLA Bruins coming in at 14-point favorites against the Akron Zips, and they're minus 1,400 on the money line, and the over-under is 128.5. My big concern with this game, if you're a Zips fan, would be the interior and trying to defend Cody Riley, the brute force center for the Bruins down low. That being said, I actually think Akron can, can kind of match up with this team overall. And in years past, Ben, I, I, th- I believe it's four tournaments now in a row where the MAC has won the first round game. You had Ohio, then you had, I believe it was Buffalo was like a six seed one year. And then you also had Buffalo the, a year prior. So, um, this the max been the max been pretty serious as, as a basketball conference once they get in the tournament, uh, so I I, I kind of like them. Sue me. Yeah, I don't really think you should be concerned about Cody Riley. You know, towards the end of the season, he's almost gotten a platoon with Miles Johnson. Hadn't played more than twenty minutes in, in the last five games. Him and Johnson have kind of split time. The guy that's really stepped up for them lately is Hami Hawkes. He's showing you the form that he got into in the tournament. That's the guy I'd really be concerned about for Akron. I think Akron does have the guards to compete in this game, and they can shoot the ball well enough, but I would be concerned about guarding Hawkins on the block. You know, 
they do have a great forward in Ali Ali, but he's not a great defensive forward in my eyes. And Hami Hakesh just has a bag of moves on the on the block. He can step it out. He can hit the mid-range. He was hitting some tough fallaways against Arizona in the title game. He really kept really kept pace with them throughout that game until Arizona overwhelmed them. So I think there's going to be a little too much. I do like Akron plus the points, so I think they stay within the points. Um, yeah, I, I would I definitely think if take UCLA gets points. it going in this tournament, it's going to be after a couple games. Moving on to the six and three seed pod, we have number six, Texas, taking on 11 seed Virginia Tech. The Longhorns come in as only a one point favorite and minus 115 on the money line compared to Virginia Tech's minus 104 on the money line. We have an over under of 123. I, I mean, if you're looking at, if you're looking for an upset in your bracket, you know, you don't want to go crazy. Just take Virginia Tech. Take you know, take Virginia Tech on the money line too, and I'd I'd throw Virginia Tech in some in some pools that that I do. Uh, yeah, I, I, no one's playing as good a ball as Virginia Tech is right now, and I don't think there's a team as discombobulated as Texas is. This game is at two thirty Mountain Time Friday. Uh, just just for what it's worth. Yeah, and this game is being played in Milwaukee, so. No discernible advantage for either team. I actually actually disagree with you a little bit, Casey. I think I think we've all fell in love with the recency bias here with Virginia Tech. I think that we forget that Chris Beard is, is a really good tournament coach. Games in the NCAA tournament tend to toward tend to go to the side that slows it down a little bit more and values their possessions. And I think the big thing is Virginia Tech doesn't really have a big man to take advantage of Texas's lack of you know really true center and yeah, it's uh just not trey mitchell's not over our team yeah i mean <laughs> I, I actually like texas in this game i actually do i am scared of the way virginia tech shooting the ball currently but you know if we even went two games ago i mean texas is obviously the better team and i think they have the better coach as well i think they just grind this one out i, I think texas just grinds this one out gets the ball on the inside gets it to timmy allen and and they pull this one out somehow yeah, and, and and to play devil's advocate for Texas, I, I would add, you know, one of the best defensive teams in the country, 13th in, in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm, one of the best three-point shooting defenses in the country. They're 77th overall in that statistic. So I I, I do yeah, I, so we're, I do I'm like a- the matchup for that. However, it's more of, to me, it's more of just how Texas has looked kind of down the stretch, and I get it. All of their losses have been to very good teams, with the worst one being to TCU, which isn't really that bad of a loss. I agree. I think TCU is a great team as well. But I mean, I mean, we're looking at Virginia Tech coming in hot offensively, but you know, they score 80 points against Duke, 72 against Virginia Tech, and 87 against Notre Dame. None of those are good defensive teams. You could even no, say definitely not poor defensive teams. Yeah. And we forget they had to hit a buzzer beat if they don't hit the buzzer beater in the opening round against Clemson they're never here that's true Clemson is not a good team and so um I just think Chris Beard is is gonna be the difference in this game and they have oddly enough physicality it it almost sounds like it it almost sounds like you think the value is more favorable in Texas yeah I do I think I think this is recency bias I think this should probably be a three or point four point favorite for Texas I think they're gonna win this game Okay, I like it. On to the next game in that, and we have Purdue against Yale. Uh, respectively to the Yale Bulldogs, this game's going to be taking place at Friday, 12 p.m. Mountain Time, and I think the Yale Bulldogs season will be ending at about Friday, 2 p.m. Mountain Time. 15, 15 and a half point favorites. Purdue is uh, minus 2,100 on the money line with the Yale being plus 1,000 on the money line. And we have an over under of 143. It, I think this game's going to get really ugly, to be honest with you. I agree. I will say Yale has the better point guard in this game. Azar Swain is a very, very good player. I, I actually tend to like him more than Hunter. I think that he's done a great job of carrying this. It's a hot take, but I think he's done a great job of carrying his team on his back. He's shown up in all the big games this season. Excellent shooter can create his own shot, 
But Purdue just has way too many guys to throw at you, man. I mean, when you talk about Edie and Williams and Jaden Ivey and Stefanovic and Hunter and Gillis, I mean, that's just way too many guys. And um, we've seen them struggle at times, but that's against good Big Ten defenses, and and this is not what Yale is. So uh, Purdue's going to roll. Yeah, I, I feel bad for whoever has to guard Trayvon Williams and Zach Edian. So the tallest player for Yale is only six foot eight, and Trayvon Williams is 6'10", 255, and Zach Edian is seven foot four, almost 300 pounds. Yep. I, I, I would lay him in this game. I'd lay I would lay Purdue yeah. as well. Moving on to the last pod in, in the bracket, we have Murray State against San Francisco, which. I just I, I I hate the committee for putting this as Me at a seven ten matchup. This is this is a shame. I, I think both these teams are good enough to have made Sweet Sixteen runs, but with the draw they got, it's going to be really tough of them for either of them to get there. And, and you know we'll we'll discuss the next game with Kentucky in a second, but I still like Murray State to win it. I'm sorry, I know you're a big Don's fan. Give me the racers and, and and the point and a half. The racers are a point and a half point favorite. Seven forty p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday, and rightfully so. This game deserves to be the marquee matchup and one of the marquee matchups at the tournament. Murray State's minus one twenty two in the money line. San Francisco's plus one hundred two in the money line, and we have an over under of one thirty seven. I love this Murray State team. They're one of my favorite teams in in the country, and I really want to see them get that first round win. So. I'm going to take them here. This is going to be one of the best guard matchups in the first round. When you're talking about number one, Jamari Bue for San Francisco, who I've been really impressed in their big games this year against the Gonzagas of the St. Mary's, the BYU's has really played well. And then whenever you're talking about Murray State, you're talking about Tevin Brown, uh, number 10, the junior from Fairhope, Alabama, just been excellent his entire collegiate career. Sounds It uh, seems like. And uh, those two guys facing off is going to be a lot of fun. Evan Brown will shoot from anywhere on the basketball court. He's at 39% with 235 threes on the year. And his point guard, his partner in crime, Justice Hill, is at 35% all with 157 threes on the year. They also have a sophomore in Trey Hannibal who can get to the hole with the best of them. And he's a fantastic defender as well. And that we haven't even mentioned potentially the best player in, in KJ Williams, number zero, who's a 6'10 small forward. And he's probably going to play in the NBA. Like that, that's how good KJ Williams is. Yeah. And um, I actually think that's their advantage in this game is, is KJ Williams on the inside. I think the guards is going to be a wash. I think they both have great scoring guards, they both have a stable of them. Uh, I, this one's a toss-up, man. Uh, I have San Francisco. I just like Jamari Bouye at the end of the games. I do think that San Francisco defense will have something set up to protect the inside and to make Murray State. I just don't like how Murray State took some games off towards the latter half of this year. I don't feel great about that going into the tournament. I know they turned it up for the big games, but you know they struggled in some games against – UT Martin and Southern Missouri, Southeast Missouri State, and I, I just don't love that. I thought that Moorhead State was honestly right there and could have won that game versus them. And I, I'm just not sure they're as dominant as their 30 and two says they are. I think there were some really close games, some bad teams this year. That's fair. They definitely played to their competition, no matter who they played, whether it was UConn or or Auburn. Um, the, 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 the run. I, I don't, I don't think they played UConn. They were in the tournament, but they didn't end up playing them. They did play Auburn, though. Uh, they only lost to 13 by Auburn, and they did beat Chattanooga, and they did beat Memphis this year. So they, they were a very good team, and they boat raced Belmont every time they played them. Yeah, this is going to be – I mean, honestly, this is going to be a toss-up. Uh, yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Yeah. Oh, well, on to the 15-2 matchup, uh, Kentucky – 18-point favorites against St. Peter's, and we have a 131.5 over-under. I, I think the Wildcats are going to boat race them. I'm sorry. This is going to get ugly. I, I really think so. Lamb. St. Peter's, not a great scoring team. Lamb. 
they don't have the size. I don't think to compete in this game with Deshibwe, their tallest or their center is six seven. They have two guys who are six seven who are kind of their big guys, and Tashibwe is gonna eat in this game. Absolutely. Well, first round we've been kind of chalky. Do you see any upsets later in this bracket? Uh, I, I hope not because as much as I love this Murray State team, Kentucky-Purdue might be one of the best games in the tournament potentially. Yeah, that has potential to be really great. You know, I have it chalky except I have St. Mary's over UCLA. I also have St. Mary's over UCLA. Um, And then I have them probably losing to uh, Baylor. Yeah, that's what I have. I have Baylor and Kentucky. In the Elite Eight, um, I don't think Baylor Baylor's probably the weakest one seed, but they have just a very good draw stylistically, and I just agree. the just the competition they have. I mean, Kansas has to deal with San Diego State as an eight. Arizona has to deal with TCU or Seton Hall, and then Gonzaga. We talked about. I mean, North Carolina Marquette. I, I don't think has the style of play that Baylor is going to be scared of. And then I don't think St. Mary's has the athlete. So I see Baylor, Kentucky, and I like Kentucky winning this region. Yeah, Kentucky at plus 240 is, to me, fantastic value. And the other place I'd look at would be Purdue at plus 550. I'd be looking at putting a, a full unit on Kentucky at plus 240 and then maybe a half unit on Purdue at plus 550. Baylor's got some great value with plus 240, but – I, I don't know. I, I I could I could see him getting tripped up, and I'd rather take Kentucky now, and then probably take Kentucky when the game comes itself as well. I think you're spot on. I think this Kentucky Purdue game has historic ESPN Classic written all over it. It's going to be like the the Trey Burke Michigan game. Yeah, and I I think the winner of that game wins this region. Uh, I think the I winner of that game is going to have to play extremely well win that game and roll into that Baylor game and keep going all the way to New Orleans. Couldn't have said it better, my friend. Well, that's, that's all we have for the left side of the bracket. We're going to cover the right side of the bracket tomorrow night with the South and Midwest regions. Ben, anything before you hit the road? I know I have something, but do you have anything, my friend? Yeah. You know, we're talking about the NCAA tournament. We can't, we can't forget about the NIT. Oh God, here we go. I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna do this. There's some fun teams in the NIT this year. There is, there is. I'll give it to you, North Texas. Tomorrow night we get Belmont and Vanderbilt. What a treat! What a treat! We have Oklahoma and Xavier and A and M and Oregon and Utah State playing each other. I mean, Santa Clara's in the NIT. Saint Bonaventure and Colorado are playing each other. These are some great games in the NIT. They are great games. And um. You know, we don't have a we, we have the 16s play tomorrow, and then we don't have Indiana, Wyoming until 810. So so fill up the rest of your night with these NIT games. Yes, I I couldn't have said it better. You definitely want to watch some NIT basketball before, you know, just a little palate cleanser before getting into that Indiana Wyoming game tonight, tomorrow night. Well, the one thing I have is we're gonna be doing a little competition. Uh, we're not gonna do a bracket. Uh, not that we don't like brackets. Brackets are cool. Um, but there's a little less strategy involved, and there's only so many outcomes you can reasonably select. So what we're going to do is something I've done in the past with a with a good friend of mine, and it's 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 kind of like a survivor pool meets a pick em almost. And let me explain. So what you do is you pick 10 teams. The 10 teams can be any seats you can pick uh um eight ones and twos and then two threes you can pick some 12s some 13s whatever you want to do you pick 10 teams and the scoring is derived off of the round plus the seed so hypothetically kentucky's a two seed okay if kentucky wins their first round matchup that's worth two points so they get four points for the first round if they win their second round matchup that's worth four points. The third round's worth six points. You see where it goes. It it increases two points each round. So the scoring is very simple. It is just round in which they won, which is two points added each round, plus the seed in which they are. And at the end, it's probably going to be winner takes all, depending on how much money we get. Uh, I may look at letting second place get their money back or second place having a part of the pie. 
So we're going to put that on, on Twitter. It's going to be $25 buy-in. And we'll be keeping that on a Google Doc and getting it sent out to everyone so they can update the scoring and look, look at the formula that we used to, to do it. So if you're willing to do that, please let me know. And you can message me at cprend 21 on Twitter, or you can hit us up on, on at on the line NCA on Twitter. And as always, like and subscribe to us on On the Line, a college basketball podcast on all podcast platforms. But before we go, Ben, do you have anything else about the competition? Anything else about tomorrow and the tournament finally starting? Um, yeah, I just think everyone should watch uh, the, the Indiana-Wyoming game. I just think it's really fascinating. I think it's going to be a lot of physicality on the inside. Can Jeff Linder figure something out? Because I, I don't no. think he'll be able to, to, to command the post like they have this year. And uh, everyone should be watching Drake Jeffries. Yes, you definitely want to watch. You want to watch Trace Jackson Davis and um, Jeffries is going to be go off. I think. I think that would be my big, my big. Uh, he has a big game. Yeah, it, and, and he's going to need to if they're going to win this game. But enough Wyoming Cowboy talk. We'll discuss that more offline. All as always, we really appreciate it. Like, subscribe, five stars, everything. Please share. Thank you as always. See ya, and happy March. <laughs>